Will the Falcons trade for Daniil Hunter? Probably not. But if they did, it's probably the final piece that'll give them one of the top pass rushes in the NFL. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black, and, of course, the very humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more by visiting FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started and guys we thank each and every one of you that makes this illustrious podcast your first listen each and every day shout out to the everydayers who subscribe and do like they do by subscribing or following for free on youtube or wherever you listen to podcasts so today's episode is talking all about the possibility of a daniel hunter trade Right. And I'm listening to Jarvis Davis and Tanitra Batiste on ATL Day Ones on Lockdown Sports Atlanta. Last week, talk about the possibility of bringing Daniel Hunter. We're, you know, we spend so much time on this podcast talking about Corey Davis and Hunter Renfro. And yes, they will get, uh, uh, you know, beyond that more than a, a passing reference on today's episode. We got to do it. Um, and, you know, talk about DeAndre Hopkins. So why not talk about Daniel Hunter? And for those of you that have not been paying attention, Daniel Hunter had held out of mandatory minicamp this past week for the Minnesota Vikings, which is basically him and his representation telling the Vikings organization, we want a new deal. He's in the final year of his current contract. And the scuttlebutt is that the Vikings are kind of reluctant to pay uh, Daniel Hunter, you know, what his price tag is. We'll talk more about uh, that and potentially being an obstacle for a Falcons trade. But you know, that has led to speculation that the Vikings would be willing to part ways with Daniel Hunter for the right price, right? You know, the various reports are that the Vikings are not actively shopping Daniel Hunter, but basically, if someone were to come calling and give them a godfather offer, they would not necessarily refuse, right? It's an offer that they can't refuse. So we'll see how that goes. But, you know, with this coming up, you know, Daniel Hunter is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, right? And, if a team such as the Atlanta Falcons were to make a move for him, it would make a lot of sense. We've talked quite a bit over the last couple of months about how the additions that the Falcons have already made this offseason should at least get them from the bottom of the league in terms of pass rush production with sacks to at least closer to middle of the pack uh, in terms of sack production. But adding a player like Daniel Hunter not only is going to get you from the bottom of the league to the middle of the pack, but that's possibly going to get you in the top five, top ten in terms of top pass rushers. And that's obviously a place that the Falcons want to be. And, you know, the reason for that is because Daniel Hunter has been one of the premier sack artists in the NFL over the last five season. Of course, guys, we we've upgraded our graphics here on the locked on Falcons, uh, YouTube side of things. So for you audio listeners, go check out us on YouTube. You get the podcast the night before the audio drops. If you subscribe and, and listen and all that stuff, but you know, I have constructed a graphic that shows, um, all the, you know, or not all the pass rushers, but the top pass rushers in the NFL over the last five seasons, 
in terms of their sack production per 17 games played, right? And there were roughly 79 pass rushers, roughly 80 guys uh, that had at least 20 sacks since 2018 to qualify for this list. And I have the top 10 guys listed and uh, a couple of the Falcons prominent pass rushers and where they rank in this as well. And as you guys can see on your screens, Daniel Hunter ranks fifth in terms of sack production per 17 games since 2018, averaging 13.8 sacks per 17 games. That's fifth behind TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa, Aaron Donald, right? That's ahead of Michael Parsons, ahead of Chris Jones, Chandler Jones, Von Miller, and Cam Jordan to round out the top 10. Um, and you know, the other thing that we talk about a lot on this podcast is about the difference between sacks and pressure and pressure is a little bit more sustainable, um, you know, less fluctuates year to year. Uh, and so more predictive of future success than necessarily sack production. And Hunter is one of the top pressure guys in the league. He ranks 17th among these roughly 80 pass rushers in terms of pressure rate and relative to the edge rushers. That's like in the top 12 among the edge rushers. So you can make a pretty compelling argument that his pressure rate is actually higher than Miles Garrett. It's higher than Chandler Jones. It's higher than Cam Jordan, higher than Von Miller over the last five years. So you can make an argument pretty easily that, uh, Daniel Hunter is one of the top five to seven pass rushers in the NFL, at least over the last five years when he has been healthy. And the reason why a team like the Falcons would be attracted to that, as you guys can tell, looking at the graphic is that you look at their four main pass rushers, right? None of those guys are near Daniel Hunter in terms of their sack production, right? You look at Bud Dupree as the top guy currently on the Falcons roster. He ranks 32nd out of these uh, roughly 80 guys with averaging about 8.4 sacks per 17 games. Calais Campbell's 55th with 6.5 sacks per 17 games. Grady Jarrett is 70th with 5.2. And David Onyemata is 74th with 4.8. Now, we're hoping that someone like an Arnold Ebiketti can, you know, join this list and, and be one of the higher ranked guys. And maybe or maybe not, you know, AK gets there. But certainly as we sit here today talking on this illustrious podcast, he is not there yet, right? And when you look at, say, a comp that I made for Arnold Ebiketti, my ceiling comp for Arnold Ebiketti when we drafted him was Demarcus Lawrence. And Demarcus Lawrence is like slightly behind um, Bud Dupree, averaging about 7.3 sacks per 17 games. And so essentially... Even if I'm wrong, even if I'm lowballing Arnold Ebiketti and he's better than Demarcus Lawrence, basically, you know, Daniel Hunter from a sack production is twice as good as Demarcus Lawrence. So basically, Arnold Ebiketti, even for my high end project projection for him, has to be twice as good to reach a level comparable to uh, what Daniel Hunter has been these last couple of years when he has been healthy for the Minnesota Vikings. And we also know that another thing, the factor that plays into the favor of the Falcons pursuing certain players is having a coach on staff that has some experience, that knows the makeup of the player. And the Falcons have that with Daniel Hunter because of the presence of Jerry Gray on this Falcons defensive coaching staff. Jerry Gray um, was alongside Daniel Hunter for five years in Minnesota when Jerry Gray was a defensive backs coach while Daniel Hunter was rushing the quarterback. And I'm sure Jerry Gray has a great appreciation for all the production and, and play of Daniel Neil Hunter on the on the front end that allowed his guys on the back end to do their jobs better. And so clearly, um, you know, there's that connection between what Daniel Hunter can bring to Atlanta uh, based off what he was in Minnesota. And so when you factor that Hunter's production, you know, the quote unquote intimate knowledge that the Falcons have with him, it makes a lot of sense why the Falcons would be willing to 
pay a price for Daniel Hunter, not to mention that given Hunter's production, you're probably not going to be paying as high a price as you normally would to get one of the five to seven, arguably, best pass rushes in the NFL, right? As you saw on that graphic, and I'll throw it up there again for you guys, you look at the top 10 guys, very few of those guys changed teams. Like Von Miller changed teams late in his career. Chandler Jones was traded uh, in the middle of his career um, you know, from New England to Arizona because the Patriots didn't want to pay him. But outside of that, you're looking at the other top eight guys in the top 10. Those guys haven't changed teams and probably won't change teams at any point into their careers until they get to a point like Von Miller where they're very late in their career and they're basically, you know, chasing rings or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then you compare it to an, a player that did change um, in the middle of his career, and that's Khalil Mack, right? And Khalil Mack, compared to these top 10 guys, you know, if you look at his time in Oakland, his first four years in Oakland, he was averaging about 10.8 sacks per 17 games with the Raiders prior to him being traded to the Bears, and he was traded for two first-round picks. And so, essentially, the argument I'm making is Daniil Hunter's production over the last five years blows the doors off of Khalil Mack's, at least his sack production, over his first four years when he was, you know, a defensive player of the year candidate you know, traded for two first round picks. And, you know, Mac was 27 at that time. Hunter is 28. Currently he'll turn 29 in October. But basically the point I'm trying to make is, you know, teams don't trade players of Daniel Hunter's caliber. And so the fact that the Vikings would be willing to trade him probably means that you'll be able to get him for a relative bargain. Like you're probably not going to have to give up two first round picks for Daniel Hunter. And so this is, a, you know, basically a bargain. But that price tag, not know so much in terms of the draft capital that the Falcons would have to get up. I think it's going to be the money that the Falcons would also have to pay Daniel Hunter again, because this is about him getting a new contract from the Vikings is what is going to be the thing that prevents the Falcons from making this trade uh, a pot, go from a possibility to a reality. And we'll break that down as we continue today's locked on Falcons but first, guys, I want to tell you that the NBA season is over, but baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That means you get $1,000 back in bonus bets uh, if your first bet doesn't win. And whether you want to bet on Major League Baseball or you want to bet on the upcoming NBA draft this week, we kind of know who's going to be number one pick, win Bayama. Uh, but who's going to round in the top five? You know, Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller. Amen Thompson, Cam Whitmore, etc. Go head on over to uh, FanDuel Sportsbook and put your money uh, on where you think some of these top lottery picks are going to be. Of course, you can also bet on the upcoming NFL season. Bijan Robinson, Offensive Rookie of the Year, still the front runner there. Hey, we're talking about pass rushers. Why not bet on who you think is going to be a defensive player of the year? Currently, Micah Parsons and Miles Garrett are the top two uh, front runners in terms of FanDuel Sportsbook. You know. Miles Garrett in a wide nine scheme, given what we saw that previous graphic with his sack production, it's only going to go up from there. So he's a great bet. I think Nick Bosa being joined by Jervon Hargrave is also another great bet uh, for defensive player of the year if you want to take a flyer there. So, of course, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Get that no sweat first bet up to $1,000. Put your money where your mouth is. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. So uh, let's talk more about the Daniel Hunter trade. And again, we talk constantly on this podcast about, you know, Corey Davis watch and Hunter Renfro watch and all this stuff. And, you know, the reason why we do that here on the podcast, because, I, you know, I, I personally find it fun. I'm sure some of you guys don't find it as fun as I do, but it's fun to call your shot. Right. Last summer, 
around this time, May, June, we were talking about, hey, the Falcons need to add a D tackle. They wound up adding one in Eddie Goldman in July. Of, of course, that didn't last because he chose to re uh, retire. But then, you know, we get to the offseason. The Falcons are investing into Calais Campbell and David Anyama. Those are some of the big investments that they made this offseason. So that, you know, something that we were talking about, if you're an everyday or here on Lockdown Falcons, we're talking about the Falcons beefing up their interior D-line in May, you know, well ahead of March of 2023 and it's a similar conversation to me with the wide receiver right that where you look at a player like Corey davis you look at hunter renfro even if the falcons don't get one of those guys and again obviously Corey davis makes a ton of sense because we've seen him be a number two wide receiver in this offense and be successful at it hunter renfro makes a ton of sense at least to me because the falcons clearly have an affinity for raiders receivers with mac collins and, and brian edwards and there's no way you can convince me that they've watched all this mac collins and, and brian edwards film the last couple of years and not come away impressed with hunter renfro uh but you know that trade probably or that acquisition is probably a little less likely uh than Corey davis but at least it's fun to speculate and so i sit here in June of 2023 saying that even if the Falcons don't get one of these guys or another receiver in the next couple of months before the season starts, we'll probably be talking about wide receiver as a priority uh, position to pick up next off season. So, you know, again, every dayers are getting this information, you know, six to nine months ahead of everybody else. Right. And we look at the rest of the Falcons roster, not only the wide receiver two position, we've talked about the swing tackle position as other areas where you feel like the Falcons could use some help shoring up their roster, maybe another backup linebacker. And pass rush is one of those positions where I don't know if the Falcons need to go out there and get a guy because the Falcons have invested resources in that acquiring a number of players but certainly you want right needs versus want you want to get a little bit more juice there and getting that sort of alpha pass rusher again that daniel hunter is that the falcons clearly lack but you know having done my research on this daniel hunter thing which you know is code for i listened to several episodes of locked on vikings over the last six months talking about daniel hunter you know it, it sounds like this boils down to Hunter wanting a new deal. He's in the final year of his contract. It voids after this season. And, you know, it makes sense why Hunter wants to get paid. He's making about, you know, $5 million this year. I think his cap hit is about $13 million. So any team acquiring him would only have to have about $5 million cap space. But, again, if you're acquiring Daniel Hunter, the expectation is you're going to pay him. Similar to what we saw last season when Bradley Chubb was traded from the Broncos to the Dolphins, right? And Bradley Chubb got traded for a first-round pick and was given a $22 million per year contract by the Dolphins due to that. And you compare Chubb's production over the last five years to someone like Daniel Hunter, he's averaging about 8.5 sacks per 17 games. So he's slightly better than Bud Dupree, 29th out of the 80, uh, roughly 80 uh, uh, pass rushers that we're talking about in that earlier graphic that we're talking about. And again, that pales in comparison to what Daniel Hunter. So if you're Daniel Hunter, it's like Bradley Chubb's getting $22 million a year. I should be getting like $24, $25 million a year. I should be getting paid a lot more than that. And so it makes sense. Now, in terms of the price of what it would take to give to get Daniel Hunter, you know, we can only speculate, but I know Jeremy Fowler of ESPN put out like a week or so ago that teams are talking about it being like a second plus, right? A second round pick and something extra, right? And that's likely due to Hunter's age, his injury history, the fact that, you know, teams are probably going to have to pay a premium once they acquire him, right? And so maybe are reluctant to give up a first round pick. Uh, and so we'll settle for a second plus right and again going back to an early point that is a great price 
for to get one of the five to seven, arguably five to seven best pass rushers in the NFL. Yes, you know, the injury history is a concern for a team acquiring him. He did miss all of 2020 with a herniated disc in his neck injury. Um, you also had him missing half of last season with a torn pec muscle. So there are concerns given his age about the durability and whatnot. But we saw Chandler Jones get traded in the middle of his career from New England to Arizona for a second plus, I think, a player uh, in that regard. And so if if it does become a bidding war for a player like Daniel Hunter, you could imagine a team like the Falcons or any other team that wants to win that bidding award. Okay, if everybody else is giving up a second plus, hey, let's give up a conditional second round pick. That means let's give up a, a second round pick that you know, could turn into a first round pick if certain conditions are met, if Hunter hit certain playtime uh, incentives, if certain production incentives or something like that. And that would probably be enough to sort of potentially win a bidding war uh, for Daniel Hunter's services. And I don't know if that type of draft capital would be the thing that would scare off the Falcons from making a trade like Daniel Hunter. I think it's actually the money that they would have to pay him, that extension that they would have to give him. Because even if Hunter is not going to get $22 million a year like Bradley Chubb, he's probably going to get more than like $16.5 million a year. And that number is significant because that's the amount of money that the Falcons are paying Grady Jarrett per year. Right. And we talked about this all all season leading up to the off season and why players like Deron Payne, and Javon Hargrave, to me, were not likely to be players that the Falcons would pursue because their price tags would be over that $16.5 million mark. And guess what? The most expensive free agent that the Falcons signed this offseason was Jesse Bates, and he makes less than $16.5 million per year. And I broke this down prior to the start of free agency, which is, you know, if there is an alpha in this Falcons, uh, you know, defense and D-line room, it's Grady Jarrett, right? We've heard David Anyamata recently talk to the media and talk about this is Grady's team, even though everybody looks up to Anyamata and Calais Campbell and whatnot. This is Grady's team. This is Grady's locker room and whatnot. That's Grady's room and whatnot. And so, you know, again, you can sit there and say, like, why does this stuff matter? But like you guys, you know, football is not like, you know, a regular job. But if you're making $12, $12 an hour, right, at your job and some Someone else is making $20 an hour, you know, you might for doing the same job or doing less of a job than you, you might feel some type of way about that. And it's, I don't think it's that too dissimilar in an NFL locker room where, you know, if Grady's the alpha, he's got to be the highest paid guy, or he should be theoretically the highest paid guy uh, in that room. You know, the exceptions of course are guys on rookie contracts and, and whatnot, but um, you know, maybe there's a world where Daniel Hunter would take less than, $16.5 million a year on a new contract. Uh, maybe there's a world that Grady uh, or Daniel Hunter is a type of guy that you can put next to Grady Jarrett and say, yeah, he's worth $20 million or more because he's that type of dude uh, that is one of the pillars of our organization, right? But I don't think the Falcons are going to make that move. And that's why we haven't really talked about the Daniel Hunter trade as a realistic possibility like so many other lockdown shows are. But, you know, given that other lockdown shows are talking about, including ATL day one, it's like, you know, I should weigh in at the very least, but you know, the hope I think the Falcons are going for is that Arnold Abiketti will develop this year. Again, I don't think it's probably too realistic to expect him to develop into a Daniel Hunter caliber type of pass rush, at least this year, maybe in the future, who knows, right? Uh, you know, Daniel Hunter came into league as a very, very raw player. It's, it's probably the pinnacle, the, the, the um, poster boy uh, for, you know, taking a raw, unproven, unproductive college player and turning him to an NFL superstar. Like basically what the Jaguars are hoping to kind of do with Trayvon Walker is 
is what the Vikings did with Daniel Hunter is essentially what he is. But the hope with Arnold Abichetti at the very least is that he's going to be, you know, one of these eight plus sack guys a year, right? That if I do this graphic in a couple of years, you know, I don't know if Arnold Abichetti is going to be in the top 10, but maybe he'll be in the top 20, 25 type of guys that are getting eight plus sacks every 17 games. Um, but I think at the same time, I think the Falcons are going to give Ebiketti that chance to show that he's that guy for considerably cheaper than Daniel Hunter. And if he's not, even if he's not that guy, then the Falcons will just go out there and, and sign or draft somebody, probably draft somebody that will hopefully be closer, or at least will tag team with Arnold Kebby to get you, you know, one step closer to having that type of alpha. You know, to if, if you don't have uh, one alpha, then get two betas. I guess maybe uh, is is the analogy I would use. And I, of course, I know some of you guys are skeptical and you're like, well, you know, we've been talking about them taking a pass rusher early in the draft, you know, every year and they keep taking skill position players. You yourself, Aaron, just talked about they're probably going to get a wide receiver if they don't get one in the next couple of months. And it's like, yeah, you know what? That's a possibility. The Falcons may decide <laughs> to use another uh, first round pick on a skill position player next year instead of that pass rusher that we've been all coveting for the last couple of years. But, you know, as I say, you can only control what you can control. And we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I'm not going to complain about that possibility in June of 2023, when that's really a let's complain about that in May of 2024 uh, conversation. But, you know, I think with Daniel Hunter, it's going to be a question whether or not he gets traded at all. Right. Because, again, listening to Locked on Vikings and, and maybe Luke is in denial, similar to I was a couple of years ago when all this Julio trade talk. I'm like, they're not going to trade Julio. But, you know, who knows? But it doesn't sound like the Vikings by all reports, are, you know, going to just give Daniel Hunter away, right? It's not like they're actively shopping. They're hoping that a deal can get worked out, but, you know, that's going to be something that remains to be seen. But again, we know that it's very rare that types of pass rusher on Daniel Hunter's caliber change teams. And so, again, the Vikings aren't going to give him away. You know, he skipped mandatory minicamp, but he's almost certainly going to show up at training camp, you know, with a new deal or not. And he'll have to play out the season so that he can hopefully hit the market next year maybe get the franchise tag at some point, but you know, that's really what's on the horizon. If he doesn't get traded uh, between now and, and the trade deadline. And so for me with the Falcons in terms of their pass rush, I expect the Falcons to be patient, right? I expect them to just kind of see what Ebiketti is this year and then wait and see what, uh, is in store at the edge rusher group next offseason, whether that's a draft, whether it's free agency. There's a lot of really talented edges that are poised to hit the market next offseason. You know, I know Nick Bosa and Brian Burns are impending free agents. I don't see either one of those guys hitting the market, but you know, Montez Sweat, Josh Allen, Rashawn Gary, Chase Young, Alex Highsmith, Carl Lawson, etc. You know, some of these guys are probably going to hit the market, and maybe the Falcons again. I don't know if any of these guys are Daniel Hunter. Uh, level of players, but certainly I, I do think the Falcons may be able to get, uh, you know, a pretty impactful pass rusher for less than, you know, $16.5 million next offseason. So we'll just have to sort of wait and see. And of course, they'll have a better idea on what Arnold Abiketti and whether or not they need to spend that type of money on another edge rusher uh, next offseason. So we'll just have to wait and see if the Falcons make that move. But again, uh, as I said, I don't think it's likely the Falcons will be, you know, that. Uh, interested in trading for Daniel Hunter. I just don't think they're willing to basically give out a hundred million dollar contract to somebody. If again, if the Falcons are going to give out a hundred million dollar contract in the next 12 months, I think it's going to be for AJ Terrell, not for Daniel Hunter. That's my personal opinion. So, you know, the homegrown players are going to get that type of money as we saw with Chris Lindstrom, Brady Jarrett, Jake Matthews. I don't know if we're going to see the Falcons go out there and get somebody from outside the organization. Um, and I don't know if Daniel Hunter is going to be the exception to that in terms of going out there and getting that type of player. So this is why 
you're not going to, we're not going to do a Daniel Hunter watch to the degree that we're going to do uh, Corey Davis watch over the coming uh, months and weeks, uh, because I just think it's probably a, a little less realistic, but those are my thoughts on the possibility of Daniel Hunter. Certainly if the Falcons, you know, zig when I expect them to zag, you're not going to hear me complain about it. Absolutely. I would love to be able to do that podcast. I'm like, Oh, the, there's real um, heat for some Daniel Hunter trade talk. So I would love to be able to do that podcast, but we'll circle back. If, if we get anything else uh, on the Daniel Hunter front, that's, you know, changes how this situation plays out. We'll certainly give you guys an update as we continue on lockdown Falcons. But as we continue on today's lockdown Falcons, right, we're going to talk about the tryout players that the Falcons just added at the end of their mini camp, as well as talk about how, you know, my origin story or my super villain origin story, I guess you could say, uh, of how I became uh, a Falcon fan. So we'll get into that as we wrap up today's Locked on Falcons, guys. But I want to give another shout out to my everydayers out there that tune in each and every day. Make sure you follow in their footsteps by subscribing on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So uh, let's wrap up today's episode, talk about a couple of the roster moves that the Falcons made over the last couple of days, uh, bringing in, you know, s- some tryout players and signing a couple of those guys. The, the, probably the, the most notable of that list was uh, the kicker. No, not really. Uh, Albert Huggins, the defensive tackle uh, that they signed. The Falcons have added some D tackle depth. We talked about Carlos Davis uh, earlier last week. Uh, and sort of the need to sort of shore up that interior D-line just because we don't really know what's going to go on with Eddie Goldman at this position and having some young guys uh, are a little bit more insurance that have a little bit more NFL experience than some of the other bodies that they have at that position makes a ton of sense. Huggins is that he hasn't played a ton, been bounced around the league, but most recently was with the Saints in 2021, missed all of last season with an undisclosed injury. Uh, but he's been basically a journeyman, a former undrafted free agent out of Clemson in 2019. And the Falcons will be basically the seventh team that he's been on since entering the league four years ago. So we'll see if, you know, he gets that opportunity, probably more likely a practice squad guy than a roster guy, but we'll just sort of have to see. The other notable signing was Chris Blair, the speedy wide receiver that they picked up from the XFL. And Blair's notable is that he led the XFL in yards per reception with 23.4, showcasing that big playability, had an 86-yard touchdown on a dig route. We know Arthur Smith loves uh, a guy that can you know turn a dig route into uh, a big play. Not saying he's Chris Blair's A.J. Brown, but that's basically what A.J. Brown was for him in Tennessee. So let's pretend that Chris Blair is a poor man's A.J. Brown with that. And so clearly uh, Arthur, Arthur Smith is going to covet that type of skill set. And then, of course, the kicker, Matthew Trickett, uh, undrafted free agent that was most recently with Minnesota, but previously was with Kent State. And there was a little bit of confusion, thanks to our guy Ian Rappaport on Twitter, tweeting out that the Falcons were looking to develop Matthew Trickett as like a potential replacement for Bradley Pinion and Youngway Koo uh, by signing Trickett to a three-year deal. And to clarify, all undrafted free agents sign three-year deals, so that's pretty standard. So you shouldn't read anything into that. Uh, him signing a three-year deal. The fact that Koo got a three-year extension last year, Pena got a three-year extension this past offseason. You know, Trickett is basically a camp body. So anybody who was a little worried about what's going on with the Falcons kicker, they're just bringing an extra kicker to, you know, I guess keep Koo and, and Pena fresh during training camp so they don't have to kick their legs out or whatever, just to have another body, another option, you know, again, in the event of an injury, you at least have a known commodity in a Matthew Trickett that you can potentially pull off the street to come in or whatever the case may be. And so to clear the way for those guys, those three roster spots, they put Avery Williams officially on IR. So he is no longer, he is out for the season uh, with that ACL tear that he suffered a, a week or two ago. 
and they cut two undrafted free agents, sorry, uh, in the quarterback Austin Ani and wide receiver Justin Marshall. Uh, Ani was notable because it was the first time the Falcons uh, had carried a fourth quarterback on the roster since Arthur Smith and Terry Fonto uh, took over, and that lasted about 30 days. So we're back to the three quarterbacks uh, with our boy Logan Woodside having the inside track at that scout team quarterback position. And Justin Marshall was notable because he got the most guaranteed money among the uh, undrafted wide receivers that the Falcons signed, uh, but clearly, you know, $30,000 in guaranteed money isn't really going to move the needle uh, for that. And so Keelan Harris hive on locked on Falcons is still going strong, but uh, we'll wrap up today's episode answering a listener question from Blake Newsom left a comment here on the YouTube channel. Can you do a show breaking down how you became a Falcons fan? That could be a fun story episode. Well, Blake don't need to do a whole episode on it. Uh, but you know, I basically became a Falcon fan circa 1991. And the main reason why I became a Falcon fan was as a kid, you know, when I was like seven or eight years old around that time, I was constantly changing teams, right? Like I, I like this team because I like the color. I like this team because jets are cool. Right. And so my dad who traveled a lot for his job would, you know, buy these souvenirs and, Every time he would leave town and come back and buy me a souvenir for the new team, I would have changed teams in the time that he left. And he was basically tired of wasting money. He was like, oh, look, you got to pick a team, right? You know, all the, you as kids, you we all get sat down by some adult that tells us that basically you're only allowed to root for one team. And, you know, that's th- these are the rules, right? So I got that talking to by my dad. So around this time, I, I'm trying to find a permanent team or I'm like trying to figure it out. And around this time, I learned that my I have a cousin that plays professional football. He plays for the Atlanta Falcons. This cousin's by the name of Brian Jordan, former safety with the Atlanta Falcons, went on to do it like Deion Sanders and play baseball. And unlike Deion Sanders, uh, Brian Jordan basically gave up football to play baseball. Uh, while of course, Dion went back and forth for many more years. Um, and so this was reason enough for me as a young impressionable kid. I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm related to a professional football player. He played for the Atlanta Falcons. This was right around the time in the two legit to quit year. The team had all the swag with Andre Risen, Dion Sanders, Jesse Tago, Jerry Glanville, all that stuff and more. So it was very easy for me to basically say like, this is a cool team, you know, all the black and, and whatnot to this day, black is, is my favorite cover color because of the impression that uh, Jerry Glanville and, and company left on me as a youth during this time. So that is my Falcons supervillain fandom origin story, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and, it, you know, I know some of you guys may ask, like, have I ever met Brian Jordan? And no, not in real life. Would it be cool to have him on the podcast? Sure. But, you know, at this point in time, we have so many third string roster battles that we have to break down here every each and every day on the podcast that, you know, it's not necessarily something that is pressing in terms of, of having him as a guest in the podcast to basically explain to him like, hey, you know, I'm your cousin that you don't really know about. And, you know, you're the reason why I'm a Falcon man. I'm sure it would be cool and make for great content, but not something that is immediately on the horizon. So um, maybe we'll get that done in the future uh, at some point. So continue to tune in each and every day uh, so you can watch me fanboy out about my distant cousin uh, that is a <laughs> former Falcon. But uh, anyway, that's that's my origin story. Uh, that's it, guys, for today's episode. Tomorrow, we're going to be joined by two guests uh, from the Out of Your Falcon Mind podcast, John and Mike. Uh, we'll talk about their expectations. We'll be joined by several guests between now and the start of training camp to get their thoughts on this Falcon team heading into the season. Later this week, we'll do the Juvon Gwynn uh, scouting report film breakdown, whatever you want to call it. Don't know exactly what day that's going to be. Uh, probably Tuesday night slash Wednesday, but we'll see. Um, you know me. I, I promise, you know, I'm like, hey, we're going to do this at a certain point, and then 
a week later it comes out. It, there probably won't be that level of delay. But again, I won't make any promises. But we should definitely get it done at some point this week. So to wrap up this Falcons draft class, so continue to make Locked On Falcons your first listen. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. And of course, for your second listen, check out the Locked On NFL podcast. And if you want to get more insights into what's going on with Daniel Hunter, of course, Luke Braun has you covered over on the Locked On Vikings podcast as well, guys. Really appreciate it. It's all part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I hope you guys had a happy Father's Day uh, over the weekend uh, for those of you that celebrate. Um, So that's it, guys. Appreciate it. Um, Till then.